As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Leave Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. It is another edition of the Leaf Report podcast, James. We're into May. The playoffs are around the corner. The sun is is finally starting to peek out. Last week, I remember we talked. It was crap outside, but starting to get nice. Are you feeling Are you feeling sunny? Not only that, Jonas, I got my vaccine, and I am impenetrable. Now I can I can take on the world. Uh, and uh, I felt like absolute garbage for 48 hours after it happened. So uh, word to the wise, for some people, it will knock you on your ass. But then, then you will be impenetrable. Well, we know that the Leafs were supposed to get their shots on Sunday. We're recording this on Tuesday morning. But that's not the, the headline news, James. The headline news is the Leafs have won the North Division, which isn't really a surprise. We saw this coming for a while. We saw it coming coming into the season. But, like, you still have to go out and do it, and they did it. Um, how do you feel about this? Are you – how do you feel? I'll just ask you that simply. So, Jonas, I was thinking about this actually last night. I, I'm pretty sure the Leafs haven't only won one division title since 1938. That has to be one of the most surprising stats about the Leafs that I can remember. Well, do you, do you have any? So do, you, do you have any other like stats you could throw at me? Like, what's another shocking statistic? Like Brett Lebda going minus three in a game that they won nine to three. Like that. That's pretty. That was pretty shocking too. But one division title <sighs> since nineteen thirty eight. The tough part is like in some of those years, actually a bunch of those years, the division thing is kind of weird. And like, I, I, I was looking like since 1967, there's one and granted like 
for a lot of those years, the league isn't very big, but like one in 50 years is like insane. Like, it's just like, you should just kind of like accidentally win the division one year. And like, there's a, there's a few years, James in there where they're like second and like they're a point back and like, but man, like it just speaks to the way the franchise has been for a long time up until this recent period. And I guess that period, late nineties points in the nineties, late early two thousands. But like, Jeez, like you and I were talking about it. Like some teams have won. How many did we say like Boston's won in in, in recent years in their history? Many. I don't have it in front of me. I can look it up here if you want. You, you, you do like a freestyle rap or something and I'll look it up. Well, but I guess the point is, James, like it's not it's not nothing. Um, it means something. It Like I, I think that's kind of what I, I took away. I wrote that story <laughs> you know, a few weeks. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, right. You know how many division championships the Bruins have? Was it like seventeen or something? Twenty six. Jesus. And that's including that's including some really early ones. But since since uh, nineteen seventy, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. They have nineteen since nineteen seventy. <laughs> there you go. So there's one reason why the Leafs haven't won. They've they've probably been in Boston's division a lot of that time. I mean, I know they were over in the Western Conference for a while too, but uh, you can't. They can't be better than Boston. Like that just that's not a reason. Like they should. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that Boston's won so many, so there weren't that. You know, it highlights. I think the point is, James. Like, um, if you're a fan, like you just can't take anything for granted. Like this, it's an achievement. Like it's not if they come away from the season and all they did is win the Canada division, like that'll be a disappointment for them. But it, it's, it's, it's significant um, t- to be a good team. Like it's just, you just can't take it for granted. It's not assumed um, that this just happens. Like it, it's a long process and we'll see what happens in future years when they go back to the Atlantic and they're competing with Tampa and Boston again. But for this year, they've done what they had to so far. I was talking to someone in the organization. I'm not going to say who or even drop any hints. Could be a player. Could be anybody. And it was kind of like, you know, you know, congrats. You know, you win the division. And, and I, I think I had a comment about like how rare it was to win the division or something like that. And the response was, we all know all that matters is the playoffs. Like, it, like if they lose in the first round... No one, no one will care. No one cares at all. And and everyone in the organization knows that. No one is doing backflips at Scotiabank Arena right now because they won the division. Like I, I think that I think they like that they won the division in large part because it could help them in the playoffs, right? You get a better seed, uh, you get home ice advantage. It means you played well largely throughout the season, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's the point that Sheldon Keefe made, and actually, that's it's it's perfect timing for the quote of the week. Let's hear from Sheldon Keefe uh, on the division win, um, and then we can kind of get into some of the reasons why the Leafs did win the division. Can I answer my phone? Is that what you're saying? saying you're, Is that what you're saying? saying you're Is that what you're saying? Okay. Uh, it was just okay. I've been waiting a long time for that. <laughs> so you guys can package that someplace, okay? Our goal coming into the season was to put ourselves in as good a position as possible uh, to go into the playoffs. As I said right from training camp, I mean, you can't play the playoffs in training camp. You can't play the playoffs in game one of the regular season. You've got to go through the process and go along the journey 
through that, we want to make sure we put ourselves in the best position possible. And now when we were in a good position, we wanted to make sure we secured it because I think that reflects where we're at uh, in terms of, you know, trying our best to pull out lessons and grow through the regular season that can assist us in the playoffs. Uh, you know, and I think the fact that, you know, having to, to hang on to first place here and, and secure first place, despite the fact that, you know, we're playing the Oilers team or we're competing with an Oilers team, I should say, that I didn't seem to lose very much. We, were, we didn't give it back and we found a way to get it done. So that's a real positive sign for a team. And I just acknowledge that. So that's Sheldon Keith James. And like, I think he's right um, in, in some of his comments. You can't, you can't get to where they want to get to unless you have a good regular season, you make the playoffs. And like, this was the issue in past years. Like they, they just didn't have like the regular seasons were just inconsistent in, in approach. And, and this year they came in determined to kind of, to change that. So like, if you go back to like what they talked about after last season, that was like number one, like we need to change how we act in the regular season. And part of that was defense, but part of that was just like taking it really seriously and, and seeing the regular season as a springboard for the playoffs. We, we, we've criticized the, uh, the Leafs for this for years. I remember writing about this. I want to say three or four years ago that, you know, that some of the, the Babcock teams, you get into the spring, you get into February, March. And it was like, it was like, it didn't matter. It was like the games didn't matter. It, it was, you know, sleepwalking through. Um, it just felt like kind of like a joyless slog through meaningless games. And I think part of that was the division set up before where, you know, Tampa was so far ahead or Boston was so far ahead that there wasn't really, I mean, most of the time I think it was Tampa in recent years. And the Leafs were really locked into that third spot in the Atlantic. But it's not a it's not a healthy way to play. And it's we've said this before on the podcast many, many times, but you can't flip the switch in the playoffs, you know. And and, and that's something that, that Kyle Dubas has talked about. I believe Brandon Shanahan's talked about it. When he's talked, Sheldon Keefe has talked about it a lot. You need to build good habits during the season. You need you need to build organizational culture and you need to win some of those games that feel like they're meaningless or win some of those games when you're on a back-to-back or, and the Leafs have done that, you know, and I don't want to get into like the debate about the level of competition and all that. I mean, probably if the Leafs could have their pick, they probably would want another top team to be in their division just so that they would have, you know, more of a test during the season. But you can only win the games that you've got on your schedule. And the Leafs did that this year. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way of looking at it. And I think that was kind of, what was hurting them at times in the past is like, they didn't see, and they were younger teams. Like, I think that was part of it. They didn't see that how you were playing in the regular season was kind of setting up how you're going to play in the playoffs, like you're developing habits. So I thought we could go through some of the reasons that they did win. I wrote about this on Monday, but I thought we could kind of dig a little deeper. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with digging into why they won the division? Hey, uh, you know, you're the bus driver. I'm just in the back enjoying the ride. So, you know, take me where you want to go. All right. So number five, health. Um, Austin Matthews was hurt for a little bit, but he didn't, he hasn't missed actually that many games. Um, they just really haven't had to this point significant injuries. Zach Hyman has been out recently. Zach Bogosian a bit, but like you, you, you just kind of got to get lucky with these things. Last year, they were not lucky at all. And this year they've been a little more fortunate. Obviously the goaltenders being hurt, 
um, was not great. Um, but Jack Campbell's absence was mostly uh, while Frederick Anderson was healthy. And he's since kind of figured things out and obviously been on quite a roll. Uh, but how do you feel about the, the health factor? Is it just luck? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's probably something to, you know, having a good training staff and not rushing guys back from injury and they're, you know, but I, I think the Leafs had that last year too. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, it. they just, and the other thing too last year is they had some guys playing through injury. You remember Morgan Riley? Like he was kind of just a shell of his former self most of last season. And, you know, we can debate the year that he's had this year, but he's certainly been healthier than he was last year where he was trying to play through so much. And, 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 and Zach Hyman and Travis Dermott both, both missed training camp and, and a big chunk of the beginning of last season. And then you got into the year and there were some pretty significant injuries, you know, Muzzin. Yeah. I remember they, they had Muzzin and Riley out for the same, at the same time at one point. Right. And less depth than they do now on the blue line. So they, they've been – some of it is good luck, though. I mean, like, to not have your top 4D miss really any games for a whole season, especially with a condensed schedule like, like this year. And the other thing, too, Jonas, is the Leafs didn't have really any COVID-related absences. I mean, Nylander – how many games did Nylander miss? Three? They, they were – I think it was five, but yeah. They were really, really fortunate where, you know, there were a bunch of teams that were just completely decimated by that this year. Yeah, but that, I mean, they deserve some credit for that. Uh, one thing I, I think we both know about the Leafs going back to like last summer is they took this really, really seriously. And like they were, they've been very tight about that stuff. And like, let's be honest, like you can get this this thing by doing nothing wrong. But if you do everything within your power to like make sure you're protecting yourself and you're wearing masks and all that stuff... I mean, you're going to be in a better position and they've been, they've been more fortunate. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, seasons in, in the NHL, the, the NBA have been destroyed by this thing, like by it, it catching on, obviously Vancouver, we saw what happened there. That's a really good point, James. Good point by you. Oh uh, yeah. I, I, sometimes I, sometimes the marbles in my brain rattle around enough and they come up with something. So um, I, I think that the organization did a good job of, of, you know, really, being very stringent with, with their, their COVID protocols, but also uh, they did a good job messaging to the players and explaining why, how, how, you know, like basically that this could derail our season if we, if we don't do this properly, yes. we need to take this very, very seriously. And the players bought into that and it's not easy. I mean, I, you know, I hear from guys around the league, players around the league that it's, it's, it's been hard, you know, it's been hard for them to, you know, it's, it's been isolating and it's been unusual and, you know, the way that it's been for, for all of us, um, you know, when they're traveling, they're being extra careful. And, uh, you know, we've seen other teams get fined or, or you know, ha- be missing players because they were, you know, hanging out in their hotel rooms and things like that. You know, the Leafs didn't have anything like that all year. Number four, um, some of the offseason moves that they made. Obviously, the, the most significant by a, a pretty sizable margin, I would say, is TJ Brody. Uh, but like going back to what we were talking about with the regular season mentality, like you bring in guys like Simmons and Thornton and Bogosian, and there's just like a different feel around the team. Like it, it, it makes sense. You bring in all these guys who have experience. They've, they've been very successful as individuals. On, they've been on successful teams. And there just hasn't been that feeling that you had with this team in past years where 
a game gets away from them or, or many games get away from them or they're not competing or, or whatever, like how much do you think um, the off season has factored into what we've seen so far in the regular season? Well, you know, I think going into last season, remember going into, into last year, kind of the dance they had to do with getting rid of some bad money and, and, and trying yeah. to fix the defense with kind of like a really, not a lot of great options in front of them and trying to find two top four D for about 6 million bucks. And, uh, it didn't work. You know, it, it really didn't work. And this year, the off season that they had, they made it a priority to free up the money by, by moving, uh, Kapanen and Andreas Janssen freeing up, I mean, what was that? 6.6 6 million, right? And then allocating most of that to the blue line in, in TJ Brody. And I wouldn't say, you know, when TJ Brody was signed, I wouldn't say that there was, there wasn't really any criticism of that signing. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, like that makes sense. You know, he's going to be solid and he's going to be solid, you know? And I, I think that a lot of people, us included kind of thought, you know, he'll, he'll be like a number two, number three defenseman. He'll, uh, he'll balance them out a little bit. But he's exceeded expectations significantly, I would say. I mean, he's been their best defenseman. He's been he, – he's he's really stepped up. And, you know, it reminds me of um, – you know, I know I know statistically it's really difficult sometimes uh, for the analysts to separate defensemen who play together a lot. And there was so much talk. Remember we did the profile of Brody and we talked to everybody who knew him and we – Talked to a lot of people around him and everyone talked about Giordano and was Brody propped up by being on that pairing with Giordano because that was kind of part of the narrative from some people, you know, in Calgary that that Brody was only a a top pair defenseman because he played with Giordano. Right from the very beginning of the season, that is not how TJ Brody has looked. Not not at all. And I I expected him to kind of blend into the background a little bit more than he has because... You know, while he hasn't put up a whole bunch of goals and a whole bunch of points, he's been very, very noticeable in in how good he is defensively. You know, mm-hmm. I, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's like he's no. If you pay, if you're paying attention, he's noticeable because he can shut down two on ones against, and he can do some things defensively that the Leafs haven't had a player like that. I mean, Jake Muzzin, I guess, is the closest comparable. You know, they yeah. they just. And I, I would say that Brody's been even better than Muzzin. Yes. Well, and, and James, like that's what Mark Giordano told us. He said, I think this guy, I can't remember the quote, but he said, this guy is underrated defensively. And a lot of the stuff you're talking about is the stuff he brought up. Like he said, he's really good with his stick. What have we seen? Like he's really good with his stick. Like he, he uses it in all these different ways. And like, uh, well, he's, I think, a, he's a wonderful skater. He's smart. Great skater, yeah. And he uses and, – and with his skating, like, he positions himself well and, like, he doesn't – I mean, I looked and I, I debated throwing this stat into a story, but he's been, like, among the least frequent hitters, like, in the league. Like, he just does – he's not physical, but he, he doesn't need to be because he's so crafty uh, in how he uses his stick and how he positions himself. You're right. Have you seen the uh, the nickname that fans, some Leafs fans, have been giving TJ Brody? No, it's that. They apparently they informed me on on Twitter when I was doing. I did I did an emoji for every player for the lineup. I can't remember what game that was. Probably when I was in the middle of my vaccine hallucinations on the weekend. Um, I didn't have hallucinations. That's a joke. Get vaccinated, everyone. 
The uh, apparently the nickname that fans have been giving TJ Brody is the alligator, and 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 the reason they call him that is, and then, and then someone put together a clip of a whole bunch of videos of him like lying on the ice in like various creative ways to get in the way of the puck. And it's like, oh yeah, he kind of does look like an alligator, and he's got his legs like all over the place, and he's kind of he kind of just like flops on the ice like in a lot of different ways. And that I don't know if I've seen a player play like that, but it but it works. And I remember seeing that really early in the season. It's like this is weird, but but you know what I, you know what I'm talking about, Jonas. You know the way he kind of yeah. like flops down and, and gets in the way, and then other teams like and then the play dies. It's it's very interesting. Well, and and this was kind of like the rub for years is like Morgan Riley was playing with these guys who he was having to make better, and now you've got TJ Brody who helps ease the load on on Morgan Riley. Like I mean, we we haven't mentioned the way. He moves the puck, like you mentioned. How he skates, like he's just—he's just been solid. And you look at like their defense going into the playoffs last year, and you've got like Riley, Cece, and obviously Muzzin Hall, and then you've got Barry and Sturmed. It's just—it's—it's it's markedly different when you're using TJ Brody with Morgan Riley instead of Cody Cece. Like they—I was thinking about it on my run the other day. Like they're basically like polar opposites in terms of like poise, like if you're ranking the least poised D men in the league, Cody CC is probably right near the top. And if you're ranking the most poised defenseman in the league, TJ Brody is probably near the top. You know what I mean? Like it's just a very big difference. I agree. And you know, and it, it sets them up really, really well for the future. I mean, they, they've, their top four is, is there and it's, it's locked in and, you know, maybe they lose Dermot in the expansion draft, but you know, they, they can carry these. I mean, Morgan Riley's got one more year left on his deal, but you know, there's a world where they can come up with an extension for Morgan Riley and they're going to have this top four blue line for another few years to come. All right. Number three, Jack Campbell, quite a story. It's nuts. Like his record. Um, obviously you wrote about his story. So knowing, knowing his story and then seeing this, it's just, I mean, who could have predicted this? I know like you've, you've mentioned that the Leafs had high hopes for him. There's no world in which they expected anything like this. No, but I do know there were some people in the organization who said before this season that they thought that he had number one potential and that he could potentially push Anderson. And that was, that was the hope for them. And, and I mean, good work by them. You know, it's so far so good. I mean, how, how many games has he played for the Leafs now? He's at, you know, almost 30, 27, 28, something going back, including the games last year. Yeah. And, and he's been really solid. And Jack Campbell, you know, it's the eye test on Jack Campbell is not always like he, he, he's kind of, I don't know. The Leafs haven't had a goalie like him in a while. I don't think that's kind of like looks scrambly and athletic the way he does. You know, he's Jack Campbell's what? Rhyme time. Yeah. I, well, I don't know if I would call Rhymer athletic or acrobatic, but he did, he was more like of a, I mean, Reimer's a blocking goalie, right? Like, anyway, I, I mean. By the way, James, while you're, you were talking, I, I looked up Reimer. Reimer's first 37 games with the Leafs and obviously in the NHL, 921 save percentage. Jack Campbell's first 27 games with the Leafs, 921 save percentage. Yeah. Boom. It's a, it's a bit different with their age. And, you know, I, I think that, Reimers was was 
was, uh, you know, a heater that I don't think anyone expected him to continue. But, you know, he's he's played a lot of games this year for a really good team. And, you know, he's he's Reimers established himself as a legit NHL goalie over a long period of time, which Jack Campbell hasn't done. So, you know, Reimer could be one of the options for the Leafs. I mean, his contract's up. You know, you look at the 10 or so goalies who are going to be UFA, the Leafs are probably going to need a goalie who makes – you know, somewhere between two million and three and a half million to come in and be a tandem goalie with with Campbell. Um, you know, it's fun. You know, Reimer and Bernier are two of the guys that potentially could be options for that role. That's too much wholesomeness and niceness. I think they need to bring in like a jerk just to balance it out. What do you think? Mm, are they? You know what? Are there any jerks on this team? <laughs> I don't know. Are there any? I don't, like it well, doesn't seem I mean, like we haven't been in the room, so yeah, it's, it's like it's really hard true. to get to know the guys. And they've also been winning a so. lot too. So like it's, you know, uh, the personality of this team though is just, I know uh, I'm reluctant to say that they're an incredibly likable team because I know there's so many people, especially, I mean, as we've learned this year in, in, in the Canada division, there's a lot of people in Canada who just hate the Leafs regardless of who's on the team, but I mean, between Spezza, like if you're doing likability rankings of the Leafs, you got like Thornton is way up the list, Spezza's way up the list, Jack Campbell, uh, I don't know, Marner, you know, all the contract stuff with Marner's gone now. So he's, Justin Hall, it just seems like the the nicest guy. I was reading some of Hall's quotes the other day and, oh man, I can't remember what he was saying, but I just read it and it's like, man, like he's just... Actually, I think it was in Josh Cloak's story today. He was just talking about, you know, he has this NFT thing and stuff. And he's like, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously. And I don't know. I just, this is the most likable Leafs team we've covered, right? Like in terms of the personality of the players. I guess, yeah. I mean, again, like it's, we've talked to them only through Zoom. So, but on the outside, for sure. I mean, it's hard to, to pick out any jerks. I can't think of any. There's no, um, no bag of jerks here. There's no bag of jerks. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Number two on the list is Sheldon Keefe. Um, Everything basically he said they wanted to accomplish coming into the year, they have done the regular season, like we talked about, has been more consistent. They've become a, a pretty good defensive team. Like that's that's significant. That was a, a question as to whether he could do that. This is his first year, full year in the NHL. I think he's had a good year so far. Obviously, the special teams have been an issue. The penalty kill. I wonder how much of that is is goaltending. Um, power play hasn't been great, but all in all, so far he's he's done well. I'd say. Do you think that that Sheldon Keefe should get uh, Jack Adams consideration this year? I mean, I wrote about this on Monday. I think he's like he might be top five, but I don't think he has a better case than some of the other guys. Like, I mean, the guy I didn't even put in my in my story was Mike Sullivan, who like 
I just think might be the, the best coach in the league. They're always have all these injuries and they just like keep chugging along. But like Joe Quenville is probably going to win like what's gone on in Florida, them kind of taking a step forward again this year. I mean, John Cooper probably deserves some love. Tampa has been without one of their best players the entire year. Minnesota. They're a juggernaut. Minnesota, I mean, yeah, Dean you can throw Minnesota, but like Campbell's even Jared Bednar. Legend, Dean Avison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Pete DeBoer, like they're, they're are they still the, the best team in the league statistically um, in the president's trophy race? Like, I just don't know that he, he is going to be a finalist, but I think he's in the conversation on the outer edges. What do you think? Did you see Pierre Lebrun's story where he surveyed every GM in the league and asked for the, who they would vote for for coach of the year? It's on my list of, it's you know how the athletic lets you save stories that you want to read later? Yep. That's on there. Uh, Rod Brindamore was the top choice. Uh, yes. Sheldon Keith yeah. got a couple of third place votes. He ended up finishing tied for sixth, which is probably yeah, that's about right. where he's going to land. I mean, you know, often it takes a coach, you know, it's kind of like you have to have a track record and you need a couple successful seasons. And then, you know, maybe it's maybe a story though, James, like it's a story. That's like, it's what's the best story. Like it's usually goes to the team who, who surprises, right? That's usually how it goes. Yeah. So like Florida, Minnesota, I don't know if Carolina is a huge surprise, but they've had a monster season. I guess they're a surprise that they they might win the President's Trophy. Do you know that Leafs can actually still win the President's Trophy? It's a very convoluted path for them to get there, but it's not impossible. That think, would be I think they helpful for them. Would I get that right or did I screw that up? I thought they could. I have not looked at it, so I do not know. All right, hold on. I don't want to put anything inaccurate on, on the podcast. So the Leafs can get to 80 points... Yeah, they can still they can still do it. Yeah, so Carolina has eighty, but they're out, they're done playing games. The Leafs can get to eighty points, and they can get the tiebreaker over Vegas and Carolina. I think the favorite probably to win the Presidents Trophy right now is Colorado. They still have two games to play. They're at seventy eight points, and they have the tiebreak. So, but yeah, the Leafs technically are still in that race, which is which is interesting. All right, number one on the list, we we got to keep it moving, James. Matthews and Marner having just monster seasons. And, like, this is this is why you, you pay them what you pay them. Like, you can go – you can question, quibble with how the Leafs went about those contracts, but this is why they're worth what they're worth. Like, they are two of the, what, 10 to 15 best players in the league, and obviously Matthews might be the best player in the league. Like, these are just – you and I argue all the time about what is like a, a peak, but this might be like the statistical peak for these guys. Well, they're in the right age range for that. You know, the, yep. the right the right age, age range. I remember when Tyler Dello was writing for The Athletic before he went behind the, the paywall of working for an NHL team. And he always used to talk about peak age and peak performance and how it always fell in that 22 to 26 range. And... That's where McDavid is right now. That's where Matthews is right now. That's where Marner is right now. Uh, you look back at at the careers of Sidney Crosby, uh, Wayne Gretzky, their monster years. You look at points per game, you know, over his career, Sidney Crosby's best points per game is in that 23, 24, 25 range. Same with, I believe, same with Stamkos. You and I were talking about Stamkos and his goal scoring. I mean, I think he had his big year when he was 21. Which is which is really young, but um, 
you know, I, I that's that's one of the things. I mean, the Leafs can't afford to waste these these this year and these next couple of years because this is probably the best that you're going to see. It's not to say they're not going to be great players. They're they're in their peak right now. Yes, you and I have our little disagreements about the word peak. Because I think like as you get older, you get better in, in different ways that may not show up statistically. But yeah, um, just spectacular seasons. Like Matthews, I mean, I'm, I'm so fascinated to see what the next few years look like goal scoring wise. Like if he, he does get 60, like it, it doesn't feel impossible. And, and obviously the, the two of them playing together, like to go back to Sheldon Keefe. He is stuck with that through thick and thin. Like there were stretches early in the year where you could have made the case. You know what? Maybe it's time to give John Tavares Mitch Marner. Like he, he needs a little bit of a boost. No, kept them together the entire time. And they've been arguably, I mean, McDavid and, and Dreisaitl are obviously one, two in the scoring race, but they haven't always played together this year. Matthews and Marner have been constant, just making each other better. Like Marner might get just a little bit more, for Matthews than, than he would get otherwise. So monster years for both these guys. And the biggest reason why they've won the division and why they're going to be in contention to win the cup. Did you see uh, Dom had a, speaking of the statistical, he had using his uh, goal save. Uh, oh, Versus. Uh, yeah. I'm getting his, I'm getting his statistic wrong. Uh, you know, his, uh, his daily game. GSFA. Yes. GSVA. His, 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 his daily uh, uh, game score calculation um he had that for all of the players all the skaters in the nhl and did you see i don't know if you did you see that on twitter the other day mcdavid was number one by a lot uh matthews was very solidly number two and number three was mitch marner so you know by at least one statistical measure third best skater in the nhl this year i am not underrating his season i i have made a point of of trying to do what I can to shine light on like how unique it is. And like, he's like, this is, this is like, again, to go back to the contract thing, like this is why the contract was always going to be okay because like he was projecting to be this and he does everything for them. Like he kills penalties. He's, he's on the ice when they need to protect the lead. He's, in, he's become a pretty good scorer. He's among the top five on five goal scorers in the league this year. The assists are obviously off the charts. He's become like, an all-around great player, just obviously uh, as Matthews has. Any parting thoughts before we move on? No, I think you nailed it. All right. Before we get to the pod bag and close out the show, we still got a lot to do. I want to talk a little bit about some of the injury stuff. Obviously, Frederick Anderson has been on a conditioning stint, conditioning loan, whatever you want to call it, with uh, the Marlies. He's played okay. I don't know how much I'd take if he played really well. Um, does any of this change what you think of, of Frederick Anderson and, and what he'll be able to do in the playoffs or not at all? Him struggling in a, in a game and a half in the AHL? Um, no. No. I mean, you know, we talked about this last week. I, I, I'm not, we're not sure how many, if any, back-to-backs are going to be in the playoffs. You know, if there are back-to-backs, I suspect the Leafs will, will probably try and mix in another goalie other than Jack Campbell, but you know, I will be I'll be shocked if the crease is in Jack Campbell's to start the playoffs. And, you know, I think it's gonna take a couple of poor performances on his part for him to lose that 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 role. So that's where the I think the goaltending's at right now. I think that's right. I, I, I do think it's like not ideal and you can't control these things and I, I 
wonder how many teams this would be true of. It's not ideal that they're not going to basically have their full lineup at all until the playoffs. Um, but they've, they've, the only guy obviously that they might not be able to, to mix in is, is Riley Nash and maybe they can find a way for him to get in. Um, but I'm not sure it, it, it matters so much. It's not great that, that he hasn't played since the beginning of April and Zach Hyman's been out a while. He might get a game. Nick Foligno's obviously been hurt. Zach Bogosian won't come back into the playoffs. Like that, that stuff isn't, isn't ideal, but I mean, who's healthy? Like it's, it's reality, right? Well, I mean, I think with the cap considerations, Jonas, I think that the decision is going to be, you know, it's interesting. Riley Nash is 2.75 million. Hyman is 2.25 million. And that adds up to 5 million, which is exactly what Anderson makes. I think the decision is going to have to be, do you play Anderson in a game and take him off LTIR? Or do you play Hyman and Nash in a game and take them off LTIR? I think, I think it's going to have to be one or the other for, in order to make, make the math work. It's funny, Chris Johnson asked me that question, like, what would you prefer if you're them? And I think I said Anderson, but he, he kind of swung me towards Nash because, like, was it Chris I had this conversation with or Mark? Either way, what, what do you think? I think I'd probably want to get Anderson into a game, although you have been able to get him into a game and a half with the Marlies, so it's not like he hasn't played at all, but... Whereas I think, you know, Nash is a guy with a lot of experience. He's played in the playoffs. You know, I, I think that he's – and he's going to probably – you can work him in on the fourth line and play him like eight or nine minutes and like slowly get him up to speed that way. Yeah. So, that, I, I would lean in that direction. I mean, I ideal world, you don't need Frederick Anderson in the playoffs, but we've seen it time and again that NHL teams need two goalies in the playoffs, you know, that there's a, an injury or a dip in performance and – you want to feel as comfortable in, in Anderson as you can. So give him one of these final two games, right? Agreed. You just don't want like that to be the last, like you kind of want the last thing he does before the playoffs to be something positive and to be something in the NHL. You can't obviously make that certain. Um, I don't know how much it'll, it'll help him to have like one NHL start under his belt after the injury, but I, I would think just mentally it would help, um, but we'll see. Well, how do you um, – it, it, it sounds like it's probably going to be a while before the playoffs get going. The Leafs have these two games against uh, Ottawa and Winnipeg, right? Those are the final two games. Um, Indeed. So they've only got – they could only play two games over a stretch of, was it 10 days, 9, 10 days before the playoffs start? So if you give Anderson one of those starts, then Campbell's really only playing one, starting one game in 10, 10 days. That's not ideal either, is it? No, but like, I mean, is it that much better if he starts two twice in 10 days? Like it's, it's, it's going to be the rust factor is going to be there regardless. Like it's just not going to be ideal. I think you'd rather have him start that last game just to get him as close to the playoffs as you can, right? Like that would be, if there's a game for Anderson to play, it would be the Ottawa game and it doesn't, seem like that's going to happen? I mean, by the time people are listening to this, maybe it will be. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I hope they listen to it sooner than, you know, Thursday morning or whatever. Let me ask you this before we get to the pod bag. Um, right now, if you had to guess, who would be the extra forward? Who's out? I'm starting to wonder if it might be Riley Nash. 
Yeah, that's the what I was leaning just because of the layoff and just because like if you're Sheldon Keefe, it would be really tough maybe to say to all these guys who have been with you the entire year and played pretty well. Like there's not a guy in this group of guys we're considering for this this last spot who haven't played reasonably well to say, you know what? Thanks for everything you've done. We're going to put the new guy in for game one. Like so at least, at least if, if you, you sit him initially and things don't go great, you have an option that makes, that's more palatable. You know what I mean? That would mean Engvall is out, right? Because Hyman oh, would come back and he's a hundred percent out. Yeah. Right. Well, unless there's like an injury or Hyman's yeah. not ready or, because Engvall's played better of late. I mean, certainly he's been producing more offensive late. He's out, man. Yeah. They're closing yeah. that vault. No, I was just clarifying that he was the one who's been in the lineup frequently who who wouldn't be in the game one lineup. And the the, the tough thing is, you know, the, the the game one lineup that you had in your piece on Monday had the fourth line as Spezza, Thornton, Simmons, which is... Tough. Not That's not a line that I love. Yeah. I mean, the other option is, like, playing around with Kerfoot or... I don't know what you do. Like... Someone's got to come out, right? So either the, the candidates to me are Galchenyuk, Simmons, and I don't know who else. It's almost like it, there's not a spot for Nash. It feels like, even though he's the kind of guy that they they would they would value having. Well, th- that's why the the Galchenyuk thing is interesting to me because you could take Galchenyuk out. You can play Felino or Hyman there, Felino or Hyman with Matthews and Marner. And then you could do a defensive line if you wanted with Nash, or you could put Nash with Simmons and Thornton or Spezza and Thornton. Any chance that, that other than Bogosian, any chance that any of these guys are injured for the game one of the playoffs? Like, do you think that Foligno or Hyman or Nash or any of these guys might not be available? It doesn't seem that way. It seems like those guys should be back. Like Zach Hyman's practicing normally. Both guys, him and Nash had a full practice. It, it, it seems like they should be available. And obviously, like you mentioned, the playoffs aren't going to start for a bit. So even better for that, that kind of thing. And those are day-to-day kind of issues. So good timing. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broom 
Gate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broom Gate. Okay, James, before we get to the pod bag, one thing I've been thinking of that I kind of wanted to start doing on the podcast, I haven't, I actually, I did mention this to you. We talked about it. Um, I want to just like highlight a local business every week if we can, just because it's a brutal time, obviously, for everyone, but local businesses, small businesses, especially. So this week, and you can you can take next week, James, if you want, I am going to mention my favorite pizza spot that's been like getting us through this terrible time, Batondo's in Little Italy. It's like an old school pizza joint. They're famous for, I believe they're famous for their calzones, panzerotti type stuff. I, I just ordered pizza, so I don't know. Uh, but it's just like old school pizza. Like, you know what I mean, James? Like, I don't know if you like the, those fancy pizzas or if you're like kind of like old school like me, but this place is just like unbelievable. So it's in Little Italy. If you're in downtown Toronto, I highly recommend it. Pod bag time, James. You're up. All right. Russ would like to know, I'm going to put you on the spot, Jonas. All of a sudden, Pontus Holmberg is the talk of the town, but I'd never heard him mentioned before this year. What are the chances this guy becomes an NHL player? All right. It's all you, Jonas. Good question. Give me give me all your Pontus Holmberg fan, uh, facts that you've got. So this is another I do not guy. Know. This is another guy drafted in 2018 out of Sweden. He had played only two games in the top division. Late pick. This feels like another a. Uh, oh, I'm going to blank on the name here. Um, the the scout. Who's this? Who's Tommy the, Bergman. Tommy Bergman. I, I was thinking Anders something, and I was going to get it wrong. Tommy Bergman. This is another Tommy Bergman special where he finds a guy who's buried on a depth chart. You know, the reason people are hearing a lot about Pontus Holmberg right now is because of the huge playoff that he had where he had a point a game and, and his, his team won the championship. His regular season was, was, was fine, but he hasn't really consistently put up the numbers that I would get really excited about for a guy that, you know, is 22 years old. But, you know, he's showing enough that you would want to bring him over and see what he looks like with the Marlies and maybe get him working with the Leafs development staff. And, you know, maybe they can find another, I mean, he's not obviously not the same size as the guy, but maybe you can find another peer angle in, in someone like that. They're going to need it. Right. Yeah, like gonna, you're going to, you're going to need yeah. those guys over the years. Yeah. I was looking next year, you know, Jonas, I don't think that they're, you know, they're going to need some more players on, on kind of cheaper contracts. But, you know, if Spezza comes back, which I assume he will, uh, you know, potentially Thornton could come back again on a cheap contract. It's not like there's going to be tons of holes on the roster for them to fill. So, you know, I think there'll be opportunity for Nick Robertson to make the Leafs in more of a full-time role next year up front. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they're going to have like a whole bunch of openings. I mean, maybe Wayne Simmons moves on and they they have they have to replace him. But um I don't know. You know, I got asked in, in the mailbag last week how many young players I thought would, would make the Leafs next season. And I think the list is probably Robertson and Sandine, unless you think I'm missing somebody. No, I think that's probably it as like likely. I mean, Timothy Logan could be like the 7-8, so he might be around more than he's been this year and in recent years. But that's, that's kind of what they're going to end up doing. Like this is what they've built, where they'll just kind of recycle – at the bottom of the roster, try to find like cheap, helpful parts like Travis Boyd, Jimmy VC didn't work great, but like you, you see the idea there, obviously veterans like, like Simmons, like Spezza, like Thornton, 
Um, and then like, that's going to be the model going forward. Like they've got kind of their core in place. It's just to kind of find guys every off season to surround them and then find some young guys internally that can kind of step up and make a difference. Like I'm betting on like Nick Robertson will be on the team next year in all likelihood. I guess one caveat could be if they lose Kerfoot in the expansion draft to Seattle, I've seen some people suggest that that could be who, who yeah. the Kraken take. And then that obviously frees up some cap space for the Leafs and, and they would need a, another center to, to bring in. So you know, that's, that's another potential hole, but there, there aren't a lot of them though. I mean, I don't, I'm not expecting the Leafs roster to be substantially different next year. You know, even, you know, if they, if they have a really poor playoff, I don't know that they dramatically overhaul what they're doing, you know, with how, how well they played this season. But well, I mean, and I would think James, based on like the way it's gone for him and, and the way his career was going, that Alex Galchenyuk, if they wanted to bring him back, would be amenable to coming back. And I can't imagine he has much of a case for an expensive contract. So no, that's another spot. Well, that, that's the thing I don't know. Like, I don't know if Bogosian's going to want more money. You know, Wayne Simmons could potentially even come back, but he's going to, it's going to have to be for less than the 1.5 he's making now. So it'll be up to him to decide if, you know, does he care? Does he want to play for the Leafs or does he want to make money? Well, and James, there's every chance that they trade someone like Travis Dermott, like, you or can. lose him to expansion. like uh, Or lose know. him if you don't lose him to expansion, right? And yeah. he's going to need a new contract, so there's that. Right, right. But, I, I you know, when Dermott's played third pair of minutes, he's not going to get a big contract as an RFA. Like, it's just nope. his, his case is not going to not going to be there. So, um, Steve LaRouche, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, says, have we seen the last of Big Save Dave? I mean, I think if you're a Leafs fan, you're probably hoping so, right? Because if, if Riddich is getting in the net, then something has gone gone wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can rule it out just because of injuries. And I mean, that's it. Just because of injuries, like, you just don't know. Like, you you would hope in the Leafs case that you're not having to use him. But the benefit of adding, to, adding him is, like, Michael Hutchinson is, like, one peg down on the depth chart. Not that there's that much of a difference between those two guys, but it seems unlikely that we'll see him again, but you never know, James. You never know. Lucas wants to know, how would you and Jonas prioritize arresting some of the top players for the final two games versus keeping them in the lineup to push for the highest possible seed or ensure that they're sharp for round one? I mean, with only two games in 10 days, I'd be a little bit worried about sitting too many guys. What do you think? I asked Sheldon Keefe this and that's what he said. He basically said like the schedule is so favorable that he would prefer to keep guys as sharp as possible as opposed to resting them and, and that long layoff. Like I, I understand that. Um, maybe like if I was them, I'd think about the older guys just to like get them as fresh as possible. But the schedule is just such like they play Wednesday, they play Friday, and then they might not play until like the middle of the following week. Wednesday or Thursday um, is, is, is the rumor that I have heard for the start of, of their playoffs. So, okay. So it's not like, I don't think it's a huge deal. And, and I guess the only caveat is if guys are like a little bit banged up and, and playing through something minor, you set them like Justin Hall didn't practice on Monday if it's if there's something there, he probably doesn't play on Wednesday. You know what Do I mean? Like it's just something like that. that. He got crushed. Like is that his face or is that something else? I would think that's something else, but I don't know. Because he came back and played with a full 
shield. All righty. Let's see what else we got. Oh, boy. Every week we get people asking for ideal line combinations for game one of the playoffs. I don't know. Do you have anything new to add there? No, I think we talked about it. But I, I do think the one thing that, that Galchenyuk has in his favor is he's played with Tavares and um, Nylander for so long. And so the, the question becomes, okay, so Felino comes back. So you probably play him with Matthews and Marner. And then you probably put Hyman with Mikheyev and Kerfoot or Nash. So maybe that's what keeps him in. But then again, the question is like, are you scratching Wayne Simmons for game one of the playoffs? I don't think so. I don't think so. So then, then the, the question is, okay, so then who comes out? So let's say Galchenyuk comes out. Okay, who's playing with Neander and Tavares? Well, it's got to be Hyman or it's got to be Felino. Felino has yet to play with those guys. Hyman has spent a little bit of time with him. I don't know that it's worked great. Um, so those are your options. Especially, you know, I think if you're playing Montreal, or I mean, the Winnipeg games have been feisty too. I mean, the, those are both teams that got some tough guys on. I, I can see wanting Simmons in there just, you know, think to Corey Perry punching TJ Brody and whatever. <laughs> you know, you, I love Corey Perry. He's so much fun to watch. He's just like a little shit out there. What a, just what a, stirring it up. What a pain in the butt, eh? Yeah. He was my pick for them to sign that kind of role in the offseason. Hmm. Well, then we would have to revisit our likability conversation about that. <laughs> <laughs> What's yeah, funny I is know. I think off the ice, like in terms of like media stuff, he's very quiet and very, he seems very shy from yeah. my recollections. Yeah. I don't know him that well. So, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm projecting just by some of the stuff that he's doing on the ice, but I mean, he's had a pretty good year. I mean, it's been he's had a really good year. There, there, there have been some of these, these guys with, you know, they take these contracts and in the past you might think like, Oh, this is, this is last year and just playing out the string on these cheap contracts. And, you know, Spets has obviously played well enough that he's got to come back next year. Thornton, Perry, a lot of guys have extended their careers on, on these cheaper contracts as opposed to kind of playing out the string. Yeah. I prefer uh, Perry to, to Simmons just because I think he, he there's a little bit more versatility like he can play a little bit higher in the lineup and he obviously signed for like half the price um, yes but anyway I think anyway, one more question James and then we gotta skate that, that's gonna gonna matter next year in terms of the the cap space so oh boy there's some goofy ones here <laughs> I like this one would you or Jonas beat the o dog and or Al's brother in a combine? Easily. I don't, I, I mean, I'm not in the best shape of my life, but I don't think, I ran track and field in high school pretty competitively. So, you know, I went, I went to provincials and. I, I think I, like it, in a weightlifting competition, those guys might be able to beat us. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I haven't met Al's brother in person. I don't know what. I don't know what his dimensions are. I mean, I'm, I'm six, five, 200 pounds. So like I've not, some people I think listen to me and think I'm, I'm a, I'm a puny guy or something, but you know, back in the day I could, I could run. I, I think, you know, Jonas, you and I maybe should have a combine. It'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> you're, you're in better shape than I am. So. I think you'd have a hard time. Well, I want, but I wonder what distance would make it competitive. Like if we ran like a short race, would it be close? Like, are you, like, are you a speed demon out of the blocks? Yeah. 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 Well, how come Sean McKenzie dusted you then? He didn't. I was beating him until he cheated and he pushed yeah, me down. He did cheat. Not enough. Also, made. that was going uphill. But yeah. Not enough was made of the cheat. 
Well, maybe That's I'll uh, over the summer I'll get my ass in a bit better shape, and we'll have a. Uh, what would we do? Like two hundred meters? Run like a two hundred meters? Sure, what? like Michael Johnson against Donovan Bailey. <laughs> You're gonna pull up lame like Michael Johnson. <laughs> I, I might, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be faking. <laughs> if people haven't seen it, you should look up the video of, of O'Dog and Al's brother uh, running because it was and, and jumping too. It was it was really really interesting and. and I found it kind of weird to watch. I mean, I, maybe I, I haven't watched a video of myself running in a long, long time. So I don't know, maybe you and I would look weird running, but anyway, good for those guys for putting themselves out there though. I mean, it's, you know, good, good for them. It's not easy to do. Agreed. Like both those guys a lot. Um, so listen to their show overdrive. I'm sure everyone knows about that. Um, and go to the athletic.com slash leaf report. If you haven't signed up for the athletic, James will be back next week to Preview the playoffs. Playoffs. Unbelievable. We're, we're already there. It's been, a, it's been a hustle. All right, everyone keep well. James, stay well. Get your vaccine if you can. And that's all we got. Order from your local restaurants. Thanks, thanks for listening, everybody.